On today's Question of Faith, did Mary die or did she just fall asleep? everybody, this is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Mary Fugate, newly married, mm. Executive Assistant in Parish Life. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that Mary's maiden name was Bonino. Now it's Fugate. Yes. <laughs> and that's since so you haven't been on the show since June, right? Since since you got married, this is your first time on. Yeah. Yes. First time back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Mm-hmm. How's married life? It's great. It's good. Good. It's good. Yes. Well, the reason we invited you on today is because obviously it's a Marian feast day, the Assumption of Mary, and what many of our listeners may not know is that downtown we have a uh, a gathering every third Thursday, not during the summer, but I think our last one was in May, mm-hmm. and. The secretary, secretariat for education and catechetical or catechesis. What is the title? Yeah, that's kind of They hosted and they did a trivia, and well, let's just say I was second place. Uh oh. And the woman sitting <laughs> to my right was first place, and she also graduated summa cum laude from Catholic U and took a whole course on Mariology when she was at CUA. So I we did. thought, and her name's Mary. Right. So we thought maybe let's we should bring on Mary Fugate for this this uh, very uh, important question. And, and just for accuracy, we weren't talking about Mary Fugate dying or falling asleep. We're talking about Mary, the mother <laughs> no. of God, dying or falling asleep. Although, although who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, you, you fall asleep here or die, we'll be in trouble. But it'll, right. it'll, it'll, make for, it'll make for a good podcast. Walking we'll, to Mary's office mm-hmm. or yes. sound asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So what's the – because there's a, there's a little debate here or a little um, difference in emphasis on – uh, whether or not Our Lady died or she fell asleep. We all know that she was assumed into heaven, but uh, so talk about it a little bit, Mary. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research because, so in the East, the feast that is celebrated today is called the Feast of the, Dor- the Dormition of Mary, um, which is, you know, kind of translated as her falling asleep. Mm-hmm. But as I looked into it, it's pretty clear that the East believes that she actually died and that they you know they call it kind of a falling asleep because uh they're trying to emphasize the fact that she didn't suffer in death and she didn't suffer the corruption of the grave like you know we most likely will um so they call it her falling asleep and the traditional stories that she fell asleep in the presence of the apostles died the apostles buried her and then when they came back to her tomb the tomb was empty um so that's where we get this tradition of um mary being assumed body and soul into heaven ironically they went back to her tomb because saint thomas was missing yes i also Mm, read that gee that guy makes a habit out of that you know (laughs) he's he's probably out evangelizing that's right yeah. yeah Hmm. He gets a bad rap. Well, I was at uh, St. Stanislaus on Thursday night for nine nights of night prayer, and the Blessed Carlo Institute group was there. And on the altar, which is on the east side, um, it's like Francis and Dominic's altar, right. there is a statue of the Dormition of Our Lady, and she is asleep there. And that's always illuminated, and the statue of Jesus, dead in the tomb, is only illuminated one day during the year, which is Good Friday. So... I think getting back to something Mary said, so when God originally created the man and the woman, they were meant to live forever, 
And sin brought corruption into the world and death and the consequences of uh, sin are death. And so we all have to die. But the theological importance of Mary falling asleep is that she experienced death because she's human. Um, but because she's without sin, as Mary said, her, her body does never corrupted. Mm-hmm. And that she makes her way, not by her own power, but by the power of God um, to heaven uh, to be with her son Jesus and, and the saints. Yeah. And the early church, everybody called it the Dormition for about a century. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, it started in the 7th century when it kind of came to Rome and then kind of spread out. And then they renamed it the Assumption as we know it today. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in Rome, I was reading a book by Liz Lev, who works in Rome. That's why I was reading it. She's a famous art historian, yeah, an American. Great. And she wrote a book on how beauty saved the church. Hmm. And I think it's in that book that she talks about a Caravaggio of the Dormition of Our Lady. And it was not permitted to go into the Vatican because as Caravaggio would, you know, he often used prostitutes and street people for his models. They, they found a body in the Tiber and they removed it and that became his model for mm-hmm. the, uh, a dead woman for Mary. Oh, wow. And she was shown a little bit too much ankle. True story. You can find it. Mm. Um, so I think it's in the Louvre or somewhere in France now. But it actually is a, a, a beautiful piece. She's asleep. I think she's actually on her way up, surrounded mm. by the apostles. But that's one of my, my favorite images of the Dormition of I, Our Lady. I toured the Orthodox Church in town in, in Tremont, uh, Annunciation, uh, as part of my deacon training. We, you know, we, we try to do some cultural different cultural, different religious mm-hmm. um, diversity, you know, sure, and sure. so we go around. And so they, they offered this during the Greek festival, and I said to Mary, I said, let's go. I said, I could write a paper on this. Mm-hmm. And so we, we walked in, and they were talking about how they, they really honor that time. They said that, and there's mm-hmm. on the, uh, I, I don't never know my east and west in Tremont, but it, it was on the far side. They actually have like a a painting of the Dormition, mm. and the guy took great pains to explain it to us the whole time, and he was saying about the difference between the East and the West tradition for us. Is that the church that's right by the on-ramp to 90, or is that the one with the onion, the green onion domes near the, the back of the neighborhood? No, it's the one near the 90, I Okay, believe, yeah. Okay. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was really beautiful. It was it was nice to be in there. And um, they did a great job at the tour. They were very welcoming, and they they showed us all around, and they talked about everything in the church. The guy just went on, and he goes, if you need to go, just go. He goes, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> and a bunch of us stayed for a long time. We were in there probably an hour and a half. Wow. He did a really great job. Yeah. Well, Mary, if you don't want to talk about this, we can edit this out. However, I do know that recently you saw the Barbie movie. And over the weekend, I texted her. There was an article in Commonweal about Barbie the Existentialist. I saw that. And within that article, it argues that that what Barbie's facing is this, that that death is imminent and we have to find ourselves and create our meaning for ourselves because there is no um, human nature that comes with our existence the way that we would believe it as Catholics. So in some ways... This feast of the Dormition or the Annunciation gives us what the Barbie movie doesn't in our destiny, our direction, like what we're made for, and that our way there is through Jesus Himself. I don't, I don't know if that's too much to throw at y'all at once, Mary. But do you have any thoughts on Barbie and Our Lady? Yeah, I mean, 
So in the Barbie movie, at the beginning, she starts, Barbie starts to get these thoughts of death and her own existence and things like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spo- <laughs> spoiler. But um, you learn that um, the reason of this is that there's a mother in the real world who's projecting these feelings onto Barbie. Ah. And that's why Barbie is feeling this way. Um, but what's interesting, also heavy spoiler, um, in the end, Barbie chooses to become a real person rather than stay in the Barbie world. And I think that's interesting because in the beginning, Barbie was afraid of death and she was afraid of suffering. And mm. in the end, she still chooses to become a real person, even though she knows that what she's entering into is a life of pain and suffering, but it's mm. also a life of joy and like real happiness as opposed to the kind of surface level happiness that she has in the Barbie world. Sounds like meaning Mm -hmm. and we want meaning and even Mary experienced the sorrows of her son, right? The seven sorrows of her lady, our mother of sorrows. And that's part of our human existence, which Mm. she shares with us. And obviously God himself, her son shares that with us too. So that's what I was going to say. It sounds a little like the incarnation almost, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like God chooses to come and become man, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just being removed from us, you know? So yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. We have a, um, a side chapel at the seminary that has eight windows. One is dedicated to the founders of the Good Shepherd Sisters who used to run that that campus when it was a home for wayward girls. But the other seven are the images of Our Lady and her own sorrows, those seven sorrows of Our mm. Lady. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And you have not seen the Barbie movie yet. I have not, and we I want go. to. We should go. Well, I, right. I haven't seen it yet Cultural either. research. My wife doesn't want to go and see it. So it's oh, like... really? <laughs> I know Lynette saw it, and I know Mary saw it, and... Um, yeah, I, and I read that, that piece about her existentialism, and I think there were six or seven uh, philosophers mentioned in there, and I teach all of them in oh, right. the, my, spring, uh, my spring semester course. So. Okay. So, hey, you know, there's been a lot that's been going on. You know, Mary and I were out at the softball championship. Uh, and congratulations to the Catching Flamingos, mm-hmm. by the way, who, who won the softball championship. And we'll pause just for a second and give you this softball update. All right, Championship Sunday kicked off with the biggest upset of the year. The St. Vitus Lions knocked off the top seed, Big League Chew. 8-4, a four-run third inning capped by David Harvin's RBI single. A huge error allowed two runs to score in that frame as well. That gave... St. Vitus, the upset win. A great year for the Chew, despite the loss. A small consolation prize for them, Joe Vicario was named league most valuable player. In the second semifinal game, catching Flamingo squeaked past the Ite Project 6-5. Zach Hammerhuber with two RBIs. The Flamingos took advantage of two walks as they walked in runs in both cases in the fifth inning. That gave them a two-run lead. A bunch of walks and an error in the top of the sixth made it close, but it was not enough. 6-5, the final. The Flamingos get past the Ite Project. A small consolation as well for the Ite Project, as their team, along with Coach Matt Garvin, who accepted the award of them being the most improved team. Great year, Ite Project. And in the championship, Catching Flamingos got past St. Vitus 5-4, a five-run first inning with MJ Riddell's two-run double being the big blow there. That was all they would need. St. Vitus had scored three in the top of the first, but Jimmy Ludwig only 
gave up one more run in the in the third inning for the Flamingos. That was enough to capture the win and the Cathedral Cup. Five to four. Catching Flamingos are the 2023 Diocesan Softball League champions. A final award, Coach of the Year, was given to Anthony Mancini of the Lakesiders. That's all she wrote for softball this year. I'm Mike Hayes. Good season all around. Yeah, and not just the softball, but the community that was made in the softball, the friendships that were made, and the interest and curiosity and Catholicism. I think all that's wonderful. It was interesting. So, like, half of the people who took the survey, Mm -hmm. um, which was a good deal of the entire league. It was about 70 people, I think, took the survey. Half of them said they weren't really doing anything with church-related stuff, shall we say, before the league, that this was the first time they kind of got involved in something. The other half were very involved. Mm -hmm. They were either in a young adult group or active in their parish, whatever, right? Um the folks who were involved didn't note too many changes in their religiosity. They noted some changes in their community, like they made more mm-hmm. friends, et cetera, et cetera. The ones who weren't doing anything, everybody, except for I think maybe five people, said, oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm praying more. I go to Mass more. I'm talking with my friends more about, cool. about, uh, about God. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And I was like, okay, I think we have something here. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's gone pretty well. Um, but congratulations to to Rutger Dum, who is the uh, coach of the uh, Flamingos, uh, Big League Chu, the other the other catching fire team uh, were sort of the leaders wire to wire, and then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Mm. So they went home. They went home sad, but. A little consolation prize. Uh, Joe Vicario was named MVP of the league. Okay. What, would, league what did Phil Wankata get? I saw him on He his was team. MVP of his team. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He, he was MVP of his team. And then uh, our friend uh, Anthony Mancini was named Coach of the Year from oh. the Lakesiders. He had a bunch of people who had never played before. Hmm. Oh. And he spent a lot of time like teaching them how to play softball and bringing them together as a team. They, they, they were probably the team that played the most together. You nice. know what I mean? Hmm. And there were a couple of people who couldn't play at all who got a couple of hits before the year was out. And I was like, look at this. You know? mm-hmm. And then um, Victoria Uhazy, who was named most improved player for his team, I remember someone hit a fly ball out to right field, and she's looking at the ball, and she's getting under it and getting under it, and she sticks her glove up, and she catches it. And Mm. I've never seen someone so excited. Wow, that's great. (laughs) So it was a great year. So thanks to Logan Feldkamp and uh, John Varis, who helped us put the the league together. We're looking at fall sports. Yeah, see if there's something we can do Volleyball, bowling. Volleyball, Mm. bowling. Mary Mary Fugate wants fencing, she told me. (laughs) I did not say that, but I actually – said the other day to Ben that we should take up fencing as a joke, but maybe we will. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland State actually has it. Really? Yeah, because mm. I actually mm. looked into it myself because I'm a little interested in that. When I, I worked at a summer camp where that was a thing, and mm. I enjoyed kind of watching the, the folks do mm-hmm. it, and then they had me suit up one day, and I tried it, and I kind of liked it, but mm. I just never looked into it more. But I said, hmm, maybe this is something. Um, so maybe we'll young adult fencing. <laughs> young adult fencing. Yeah, I'll um, have to watch. What's that? What's that movie with uh, "You've Killed My Father, Prepare to Die"? Uh, Princess Bride. Isn't there a oh, great yes. Yes. Yeah. fencing scene? It's a great yes, mm-hmm. you killed my father. Prepare to die. Mm-hmm. That one. Uh, kickball was the other oh, suggestion. Mm-hmm. Which well, and we said easier because you know all we really need is a ball in a gym, so right. the mm-hmm. budget could stay low, right. and use the same teams. 
right? You know, maybe see if we can get a couple more teams to play, but it would be easier mm-hmm. to to implement that than any other one. So, mm-hmm. bowling well, seemed popular though. So bowling's gonna, very popular in Northeast Ohio. It's yeah. a great sport. So we're going to meet with the coaches in uh, beginning of September and decide, and then maybe start something late October. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the beginning of September and um, sports. The All-Star team is going to play at our fourth ballpark mass. God willing, my fingers are crossed. I am asking (laughs) Our Lady of the Weather to assist us because we have had five outdoor masses scheduled this summer, and it rained for every single one of them. So I was thinking maybe this is the Lord's way of just getting – we had the masses still. We just had to move four of the five. Um, But just last night we had a wonderful – a mass or over 800 people, yeah, living great. rosary, mass, um, adoration. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. and Bishop Martin, Marty Amos uh, was great. And uh, Father Vince Hawk gave a great homily. Great homily, yeah. yeah. And his uh, director of evangelization, Desi Gould, who's been on this show, did a fantastic job organizing the whole thing. So shout out to her, too. Yeah, and our uh, director of missionary discipleship, Christy Cabanis, did a nice job of getting people together and mm-hmm. uh, making sure people knew where to go and everything else. It, it was it was a full parking lot. It was. Like, it, I, they, I, yeah, people were complaining. But I like when people complain about not finding parking because it means you have a great event and there's yeah, a lot right. of people there. Like Taylor Swift, you go to a concert, it's going to be <laughs> difficult parking. Bruce Springsteen, you're going to go to a Guardians game, you're going to go to a Browns game. It's hard to find a parking spot because you're going to something big and important. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I said to someone, I said, make your own space. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get towed. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, and then if they yeah. do oh. get towed, then young adult ministry gets built. So. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so. That's right. And so uh, for our church, why don't we do St. Joe's and, and Avon Lake for uh, for today? Um, that was a great. I had never been inside there until it's last huge. night. It's huge. Yeah, that was yeah. my first mm-hmm. thought. I was like, wow, this place is really big. I remember I walked in, and I walked down to the right because I saw some people I knew. And as I walked in, I was like, oh, it curves around even further. (laughs) I was like, wow, this place is gigantic. Well, if you walked in the back lobby and went left where the priests were vesting, it's their parish hall. That's the old church. And you could tell when you go in there because it still has some stained glass, but now it's the parish hall. And then when you go to the right, the church was built in 1999. Father Ron Wersch is the pastor there. I don't think he built it. I think Father Tim O'Connor built it. but he's been there for a while, and he's the son of the parish, which is interesting. But it's huge. It seats almost 900, I wow. think. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, yeah I, it, was, it was perfect for last night, and I think we had representatives from almost every parish in Lorain County. So thank you for coming out. The Menkaus Family Band did a wonderful job leading praise and worship, and yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. So if you haven't been there, check it out for sure. Yeah, it was great. And it's right across the street from Lake Erie. It's not on the lake side. It's actually on Lake Road, but it's on the south side. So mm-hmm. there are houses across the street. There is one parish that is on the lake, but it's not St. Joe's. But yes. it's pretty darn close. Yes. Yeah. St. Anthony's, correct? Yes. Correct. There's Where, some nice houses out there. Yes. Tonight it is the close of nine nights. Uh, so we'll be out uh, getting ice cream tonight. That's it. I'm heading down to Loudonville. So oh, you're really? Wow. Good the most southern uh, parish in the diocese, it's 80 miles south of here, so it'll take me about an hour and 20 minutes mm. to get down there. But Country Parlor, who makes our ice cream, it's called Black Madonna of Montserrat this round. It's dark chocolate with black cherries. They deliver in the region, but their delivery routes don't go down that far. So I'll put the uh, two... Uh, 
three-gallon tubs in the back of the Faith and Reason mobile, wrap it in a blanket, <laughs> and drive down there, and it won't melt in that short of time because no, their freezers sure are super cold. So, yeah, and I'm going to celebrate the 7 p.m. Mass and then uh, night prayer after and try some of that ice cream. I was with Father Craig Kavanick last night at the uh, Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary for nine nights, and I had forgotten that that was his company. Yeah. And, um, well, not I, anymore. Right, right, when right. he was a priest, he had yes. to sell his part. Right, but. yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, he reminded me, he goes, oh, yeah, that used to be my company. I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot. And he yeah. was like, and he was like, yeah, because I said, hey, make sure you take the ice cream out early tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I said to one of his, uh, one, uh, Angie, one of his, pa- his yeah. uh, choir director, and she said, um, and she was like, oh, yeah, right. And, he, and then she was like, well, wait, we don't have to tell him that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. It was his company. He's my classmate. So when we were in oh. seminary together, I would think up ridiculous flavors for ice cream <laughs> as a joke. And I'd get them all upset. I'd be like, Craig, I thought, like, what if we did one that was tuna fish and mayonnaise? He's like, what's wrong with you? Who would eat that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe during Lent. Anyway, so it's f- funny that I'm working with his brother now to help create these uh, flavors. <laughs> That's funny. And so our readings, we'll, we'll do a set of readings for the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary today. And uh, from today's Gospel, Mary set out and traveled the hill country in haste to the town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of their womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I love that. It's very Jewish. And how mm-hmm. should this be? The mother of my Lord should come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I always said when I read it that way, like, you know, I, I grew up with all these people who, who were Jewish, like in, in New York City. And I would hear that sort of, you know, Brooklyn accent kind of thing. Mel and, Brooks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. And I was, and every once in a while I read scripture that way and it just makes it come alive even more. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's <laughs> so that, that really made it come alive for me. How about you, Mary? Anything in the readings? Um, well, the last part um, where Elizabeth says, blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Um, I always think about how Mary is the person who heard the word of God and lived, you know, in that parable of um, where Jesus is talking about the, uh, the sower sowing the seeds. Mm. Mary is the one who the word took root in her and she believed mm. what would happen. It's cool. Absolutely. I, I was looking at the first reading and it's from Revelation, woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. Whenever I see the moon, I think of Our Lady. I think the moon is beautiful. It's also a Marian symbol because mm. it, it itself doesn't give off light, but it reflects the light that's given to it from the sun. And so she's, that's how she so, shows her discipleship. And I think it's, it's wonderful. And I, I love looking at the moon, especially on a, on a nice clear night. And I think of Our Lady when I see the moon because it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. La bella luna. Si. Yeah. So it's great. So, uh, Head out to a, a parish this Sunday also. If you want to check out the readings there, we'll put those. We'll post those up as well. Um, our gospel this weekend is the one where um, the woman comes to, to Jesus and says, could you, could you cure my child? And um, he calls her a dog mm-hmm. at the end. Speaking of dogs, I don't know if you saw this. You know, I have a new dog. Oh, yes, Vito. V- Vito the rescue dog, who you can follow on Instagram. Uh, we found out uh, his, we got his DNA sample back. The other day, we had a swab like the inside of his mm-hmm. mouth. And did, you, did I tell you this? Yeah, he's part poodle or yes, something. Yes, he's 52% poodle, wow. which explains his little stubby tail. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
he is 43%, I think it was, 43% uh, Russell Terrier, hmm. um, which is the original Jack Russell Terrier from the UK that when they brought that dog here and they bred it with something else, like that became the American Jack Russell, I mm. guess. Um, so he's a little different from a, a, an American Jack Russell, I mm. suppose. I said it just means he's insane, most likely. You know, <laughs> so those dogs are really high strung. And then he's seven percent super mutt, hmm. like this, which is, hmm. which basically means that one of his great grandparents was not a poodle or a Russell Terrier, but was a Pomeranian pit bull mix. Wow. Genetics is weird. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting lineage. But yeah, but he's he's very very he's not very hyper, but he loves to play. I come home, that's all he wants to do is play. So anyway, you're up to date on softball and Vita the dog. That's all I'm here for. It sounds good. <laughs> and our ladies' feast. Absolutely. So even if you – well, you should go out to Nine Nights a Night Purse somewhere tonight and try this ice cream. But if you can't, you have to celebrate our ladies' feast somehow. Obviously, you go to Mass. Um, but then do something else. Have some have something you like. Some Guinness? Is that what you're going to have yeah, with Ben? You're we're gonna... having burgers and Guinness tonight. See? The newlyweds. Nice. That's a nice way to celebrate. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're wearing your your nice blue clerics today. Yeah, I I rarely wear this, but I thought, well, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put blue on. And if you notice, you're wearing blue, and you're wearing blue, and everyone on our floor pretty much is wearing blue, except Sharon Minson, but she's in earth tone, so she's dressing like Our Lady would have. Oh, that's right. I think hers is the most traditional outfit mm-hmm. today. There you go. Yeah. So head on out and put on your blue, and we'll see you all again next time here on Question Three. <laughs>